Thank you, Nell, for those beautiful sounds to prepare us to hear God's word. If you have a prayer slip or visitor slip, uh, we would love to receive them now. Paul and Craig are going to be heading up the aisle. If you have one, just pass it to the aisle, and we will be praying for you this week. Brother Phil, come preach to us God's word. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you guys. I always look forward to coming down here, and uh, you're always such a gracious host. And uh, today, I just want to thank you for all that you do for Advance International, for supporting Jim and I through the years. You've just been an awesome church, and I know that's encouraging to me, and especially to your pastor. And I thank you for sharing him with me uh, when I need him sometimes. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm gifted. uh, God gifts me every day with a lot of great things. I'm blessed from every direction, and I praise him. And one of my best blessings is having Jim as my partner. You know, I often tell my wife, when I grow up, I'm going to be like Jim. That's, that's my goal in life. I hadn't made it yet, but uh, uh, seriously, he is, uh, one, he is the best partner you could have in any mission endeavor that you'd ever want to. Also, uh, over the last few months, as I was thinking about you know, what could we talk about? What could we study together today? What, what could we do together today uh, on this morning? And uh, I, I was reading uh, in Ephesians, and I came across Christ's prayer, and Jim read it for you a while ago. It's one of my favorite texts. But uh, as I begin to think about you, th- this would be my prayer for you. I, I'm, I'm praying this prayer. I've already started praying this prayer for you, this church, you as individuals as well as the church. Uh, because I know that this is a special church and I know that God has special things planned for you. But I also want to encourage you maybe today if a, a little fire gets lit that maybe you might start praying this for your life. Uh, you might start praying it for your church. It's a great prayer by Paul uh, and it can make a difference in a lot of areas of your life. Now, now I want to warn you this isn't some little namby-pamby prayer for nothing. I mean this is not some little you know, check it off the mark, I prayed today, or thank you, Jesus, we'll see you later. It's not that kind of prayer. It is a serious prayer that is requesting serious consequences. It it is a heartfelt prayer for God to show up strong and for God to work in a mighty way. This is not, not just some little prayer. This is a huge prayer. And so as we pray it together, I pray that you'll join with me in praying it for your church. I pray that we might ask God to, to be sure and, and fulfill it in our life. Before we get started, just take your text there, and uh, we're looking at Ephesians, the third chapter, starting in verse 14. And I, since Jim's read that, I'm not going to read it. But I want to point out a few things before we get started. But the first thing is there in 14, it says, for this reason... <clears throat> Now, Paul is praying for them some specific things that will be growth in their life at the church at Ephesus. And he's saying something specific. Anytime you see therefore or for this reason, you always need to go back and and see what it's referring to. What he's referring to for this reason is the, the miraculous call of Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He has just outlined for them that God called him, who was a Jew of the Jews, who had the best rabbinical training that was offered, who was out persecuting Christians and killing Christians and imprisoning Christians because he hated the way of Jesus, that God by his mighty might through Jesus Christ encountered him on the road to Damascus and changed his life in order that he might be an apostle to the very ones he was trying to kill, the Gentiles, and, and bring the gospel to them unthought of by him years before. And he's saying for this reason that God worked this miracle in my life and, and that God changed my thinking, and God changes your thinking a lot of times, right? And as he changed my thinking and brought me to a new calling that I never would have dreamed of, I'm praying that same power works in you. 
So for the reason that God changed me, I want that same power, the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ, I want him to do multitudes of works in your life. So he's letting them know at the very beginning, this is a prayer for huge things to come about in your life. And notice, uh, we know that also according in verse 16, it says, and according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his, through his spirit. That word there, according to, according to the riches of God. It, it, to, to illustrate that, let's think of someone that's a billionaire. If a billionaire gives you a gift out of his riches, he can give you 50 cents. When you use that terminology, well, the billionaire gave me out of his riches, but if he gives according to his riches, if he gives in light of how much he has, it would be an insult not to receive millions according to that usage. We're talking a huge gift because of the huge reservoir of resources. So take that now and take it to Paul. And Paul says, because of the huge reservoir of God's gift of strength and mercy, out of that huge reservoir that's unending, unexplainable, un- un- we can't understand it, I'm praying out of all of that that God would pour out a huge uh, answer to your prayers in your life. He, he, is, he is asking us to join him in praying prayers for the things of God that are not the things of men, but the things of God for our life that we may think are impossible. Uh, years ago, uh, I had preached this passage many times, but I was uh, reading it devotionally. And at the moment, the Lord just kind of struck it in my mind. Uh, you know, your, your prayers, you're not really asking for much. And I went back and I looked over my prayers and I'm just, they were, they were kind of weak, to be quite honest. I, and, and I read this passage and, and, and on that day, I, I started my EA list, my exceeding abundant list. And, and I, I listed out 12 things. This has been about five years ago. I listed out about 12 things and I said, if God, God, this is, I believe these things are your will. They are things that need to happen, not only in my life, but in my friend's life, in my family's life, my fellow church member's life. These things need to happen. I think according to your word, they're your will. And I began praying that. Now, let me tell you something about praying. If you think you're going to pray one time and it's going to happen, most of the times that's not true. Many times you're going to be praying for years for the things to happen. If we're talking about exceeding abundantly, God has the power, bam, he can do it right now. But he doesn't always do that, maybe because we're not ready for it. But what I am telling you is that God is calling on you to call on him to do exceedingly abundant things in your life. For me, think of that person in your life that's in your family and they're out of fellowship with God. And I've been praying for three years for that one, that, that God might work a mighty work in his life. He was so close to God and now he's not. I'm praying for that. Ex- it's going to take a miracle to bring him back. And I'm praying for it because of Paul's prayer. Think of that person in your life that you would love for that to happen. Think about something that you would like to do for the Lord or some kind of ministry that you'd like to do for someone you love. Whatever it is, think about your church. What would you like to see your church do? You know, anything that is impossible in the eyes of men but you feel like this God needs to do this through our church or through me this is what Paul is encouraging us to pray for he's encouraging you to believe in a God of miracles he's encouraging you to believe in a God of power that has unlimited power 
And over the years, you know, I'm still trusting God to bring about the answer to some of those. He still hasn't answered all of them. But man, last week he answered one of them, you know. And uh, I was like a mosquito, just got a fresh sip of blood, man. I was fine, you know. And, and I was excited. And, but then sometimes it's hard praying in the interim, waiting. But when God answers an exceeding abundant request, I'm just here to tell you, Paul is saying, look at your prayer life. How many things are you asking God to do that are really God-like things? And so I'm encouraging us today. And so he's saying, Out according to the riches of his glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. And notice where he says these prayers need to occur, in your inner being. I find that many times in our prayer, we're, we're so focused on the physical part of life. We're, we're focused on finances and, and we're focused on uh, getting somewhere in our job or somewhere in our school and we're, we're focused on those, those physical things. But Paul says, in this prayer, I'm praying for you. It has to do with the inner things of life, things like love and joy and peace and patience, all those things that we need, grace and mercy, uh, faith and not fear. And he's saying, I'm praying for you. And, and and sometimes we get caught up in praying for the physical things and we don't pray for those spiritual things. And Paul is saying, it's time for us to pray in the spiritual realm of your life. And it's also time for you to pray for God to do huge things in your life. Things that you know are godly. Things that according to his word need to happen in your church or in your life. And you pray and, and believe and trust God and you keep on asking and seeking and knocking. And Paul says, come unto the Lord and let's pray together about these things in your life so then when you look at your text there are three things that he prays for him and and this is what we we, we should pray for ourselves and for our church uh, all of them uh, in your in your bible is going to be either translated so that or that and there's three of them and it, it's just very orderly how he prays for it. notice the first thing he says I'm praying for the power of God to fall in your inner being in a mighty way and this is what I'm praying for you number one there in verse 17 so that and that's our indicator, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And in the end of that verse, so that you being rooted and grounding in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And then in the end of that verse 17, excuse me, in the end of verse 19, so that you may be filled with the fullness of of God. Now here was the apostle of Jesus Christ praying for the Ephesus church, the one that was looking to him for godly wisdom. He said, this is what I'm praying for your church, for the people that are assembling together there. And the, notice the very first thing that he's praying for them uh, as we think about that is Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, you see, a lot of times I think we get the cart before the horse. When we come to pray for a church and when we come to pray for other Christians in the church, the first thing that we must make sure is that everyone that's here is not just a church member, but that Christ is dwelling in their hearts. And I'm really concerned today in our world in which we live in that there are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, have been baptized and joined a church, but they never have asked Christ to dwell in their life. And they're not true believers. They're, they're on a roll at the church, you know. But there never was that time when they came to Christ and asked for the forgiveness of their sin and, and asked Jesus Christ to come in and be Lord of their life. 
I'm afraid that, that it, for too long, we haven't really talked clearly that this is more than a physical event. You can't save yourself by joining a church. You can't save yourself by being baptized. It's only through your personal relationship, your relationship where Christ comes to dwell in your life. He comes to make his home within your life. You see, the Bible teaches us that your salvation begins with God. It is a spiritual event. I know that many times, you know, we use that terminology, well, I came to God when I was nine or I came to God. And I understand what you're saying, but in reality, God had to come to you first. We're sinful people and and we don't seek God. But God came to you first and he extended that call for him to come into your life. And that's how it began, somewhere along the line. And then you responded, praise God. And you you responded and realized your sinfulness and you begin to believe Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus can do what he says he can do. And I, I trust Jesus to do what I cannot do for myself and wash away my sins cause salvation to be replaced and come into my life and live forever that's what the bible teaches is salvation and paul is praying he said we got to get the we got to get the first step down we can't go to second base unless we go to first base Uh, we have to get this i am praying that the wonderful power of god will move in your church and the first thing that's going to happen in your church is people are going to find christ as their personal lord and savior And so I I am praying for everyone here today that you won't assume that because you're a member or that you've been baptized or your granddaddy was a preacher, whatever, don't assume that you are a believer, a true believer, but ask yourself that question, have I made this decision for myself? Does Christ dwell in me? Because as we look around the world today, I'm concerned that there are a lot of church members that really don't know Christ for themselves. They have a secondhand faith. The second thing that he prays is that you may be able to comprehend the vastness of Jesus' love for you. That word for comprehend or know is not a knowledge thing. It's not a head thing. It's an experience thing. There are a lot of people in the church today that have, have plenty of knowledge. They've been going to Sunday school for 55 years. They all have a little knowledge about the Bible. So they can quote the Bible and they know the, they have a knowledge about the Bible. They have a knowledge about God. But what Paul is praying here, he says, I am praying for you that not only will you just have a knowledge, but you'll have a transformation spiritually. This is a personal experience that not you just are reformed, but you've been transformed, that your mind has been renewed. And so all these things Paul is praying for him, he's saying, I am praying for you that you might know by experience that Jesus loves you. Jesus, you know, the song that we used to sing when I was little was Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I mean, some of you young kids are going, oh, that's weird. But it was really a good song at that time. But anyway, Jesus, but you know, there is no more foundational thing that you need to be assured of in your life than how much Jesus does love you. I'm afraid that some Christians don't know who they are in Christ. And they're under the thumb of Satan because every time they turn around, they're being condemned and they accept that condemnation. The Bible says there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There is correction, there is exhortation, but there's no condemnation. You need to read Ephesians 1 and see who you are in Christ. You're a child of God. God loves you in any instance in your life. He doesn't love you because you're good because we're not. He doesn't love you because you're perfect because God loves you. 
and the depth of the love and the width of love. And so Paul is saying here, he is saying, you need to be rooted in that knowledge. You need, you need to have the foundation. That, that's, that's an agricultural term that the roots must go deep of the tree. You need to found, be founded. You, you, you're, that's a construction term. Your foundation needs to be that Christ loves you. Why is that? Because when the world beats on you, when things don't go like you like, when you have heartaches, when as a Christian bad things happen to good people, sometimes we don't handle that well. Sometimes we don't handle, why would God let that happen to me if a loving God, if he's a loving God, why is he letting that? And we, we, if we ever start to question the love of Jesus, listen, if we ever start to question the love of Jesus, we are toast because that's the one thing that can keep you going. The one thing, no matter how bad it gets, the one thing that can keep you going is to know, I know that I know that Jesus loves me. And because he loves me, I know he's going to protect me. He's going to bring me out of this. Because if you lose that confidence in you. And so Paul is saying, this is the deep root that will keep you in the storm. This is a foundation that will keep your house from blowing away. Is that you know that you know how great the love of Jesus Christ is for you. And where do we find mostly where are we assured of that love? It's at the cross. There's never been a sacrifice like the cross. There's never been a sacrifice like the life of Jesus Christ and all he endured for your salvation and my salvation. There's never been a proof of love like the cross of Jesus Christ. One writer put it this way, the cross pointed in four ways because God's love is wide enough to include every person. God's love is long enough to last through all eternity. God's love is deep enough to reach the worst sinner. God's love is high enough to take us to heaven. Now, friends, if that's, that's not love, you know, I don't know what love is. I just want to come to you today and, and, and maybe life has got you beaten down. I mean, maybe you're struggling. You lost a loved one. You lost a job. You lost a child. I, I don't know anything that's going on in your lives, but I know that anytime we get this many people together, there's some bad stuff happening. That's life. That's the, the planet we live in. We live in a broken world. It happens. But you listen to what Christ wants you to know today at the cross. At the cross, he proved how much he loved you. I always refer back to what Paul said in Romans while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wasn't anything we did, wasn't anything we deserved for sure. Christ loved you and he loved me so much that while we were hating him, he died for us. To provide that personal relationship that delivers us. And again, that you, you and I may know that the love of God is a root and the foundation. It's the ultimate part of our Christian life that keeps us going. And that's why Paul prayed it. And then the third thing that he prayed was this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, the joy of all joys for a Christian, uh, someone referred to it a while ago, we are children of God and we have the right to come into his presence at any time for anything. I think sometimes if we've been believers for a long time, you know, we get a little used to that and we shouldn't. We should always wonder at the fact that in our lives, God is our heavenly father. 
that he has provided adoption through Jesus Christ, that we've been adopted out of the world, and now we're a part of the family of God. And whenever we need it, we can call upon his name, and Christ is there because Christ dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. He's right there, a prayer away. And, and so Paul is saying, I pray for you that you would grow in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that you would spend time with him. How do you get to know someone? You spend time with them, right? It, it, it's no way that a Christian is going to inhabit the goodness of God if you don't spend time with him alone. Coming to church on Sunday doesn't get it. I know some people come to church every Sunday and they're meaner than a junkyard dog. Not any of y'all, but I'm not, don't, not saying that, but I'm just, seriously. They come to church every week and man, you better get out of their way on Monday through Saturday, right? It's about your relationship with Christ, it's a personal relationship. And to, to know the good, for this prayer to be fulfilled in your life, it takes praying. It takes praying and speaking to Jesus Christ on a weekly. That is your lifeline. That's what keeps you going. That's the strength of the knowledge of being able to overcome the world Monday through Saturday. If you cut that off, again, you're toast. But Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would spend enough time studying about God, but also talking to God, reading the word, praying. I pray that you would do that so that you might begin to, in, you might begin to inherit the, the greatness of God in your life. You see, if you spend time with someone, you begin to act a little bit like him, Right? We, we have five grandkids, and um, I'm not going to name which one, but we got one little girl, one of our grandkids. Now, th this is the typical response when I, I saw her about three months ago. I'd go to her house, or she'd come to my house. I'm Poppy. Poppy! She's hollering it. Run up and hug on Poppy and do the same with my wife or Jody. You know, man, that just makes your day. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. You know, you, you just say, thank you, Jesus, right? So she started hanging out with these two little angels next door. Quote. Starts hanging out with these two little girls. And I, I got to be around those little girls. And they weren't quite the same, you know. And, and the other day I go over. And I don't even get a high. From the one who used to jump up in my arms. And I'm, I, I came and I said, Jody, have you? She said, I've noticed it. And so I'm like, I think I'm going to pay for them to move. That's ridiculous, you know. <laughs> That's a granddad talking. But you know, there is no feeling like that love. And it's the same way with God. If you enter into a relationship with God where you say, Lord, I'm going to draw near to you. The Bible says draw near to God. He's going to draw near to you. And the 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 effects of that on your life is you are going to be changed to be more like God. That's what Paul over in Galatians 5 called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you start hanging out with God, you're going to start having love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Any of y'all people are dating, that would be a good list for a girlfriend or boyfriend, Right? That's the kind of woman I want. Yes, sir. That's the kind of woman I got, praise God. But I'm just saying, anybody that's around that kind of person, 
automatically you love that person. That's what God wants to do in your life. And so Paul is saying, I'm praying for you that the power of God would be unleashed in your life so that he might be able, God might be able to fill you with the, his goodness and the fullness of God, the full life that he has for you. We walk through life so many times when God wants to give us so much and we don't even ask him. And it's right there. Because we don't spend time with him. I just encourage you to start praying this prayer, not just on Sunday at church, but it needs to be prayed every day of your life. Let's pray it together for your church and for you and for me. It's, it's what Christians do for each other. It, it's so that God might do something special for us. And that's told to us also. There is a, at the end, there, there is a benediction that Paul prays for his the church at Ephesus. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power that is worked within us, to him be the glory, verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Here is Paul summing up his prayer. He is saying, when you make sure, first of all, that Christ dwells in your life, when you make sure that you know that you know that God loves you, when you spend time with, with God enough to inhabit and see all the fullness of God and be able to be a part of that, here's what begins to happen. God is unleashed in your life because you're surrendering to him. You're, you're, you're saying, I'm going to be like you. I want to do what you want. You're surrendering to him in your prayer time. And when you do that, then the Holy Spirit is unleashed in your life to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever even ask or dream. And then we go to God and pray during the week, God, help me through the day. Thank you. And we're gone. And that's what we could have and that's what we have. Help me through the day, Lord. What does that mean? Help me through the day. Not much. I pray for you, I pray for me, I pray for your church that we would pray the big prayer that Paul has for us so that we would have exceedingly abundant above all that we might ask or think. And how is that going to come about? According to the power that works in us that resurrected Jesus Christ, <laughs> the biggest miracle of all, according to that power, so that God might be glorified. When we pray like we should, here's what happens. God is glorified in the church. There it is right there in your word. The power at work within us, to him be the glory where? In the church and in Jesus Christ. That's Paul's prayer for you. That's my desire for all of us. So coming out of that today, I'm going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you this week to get alone with God, just you and God. And I want you to pray to him and I want you to ask him and say, God, what are those exceeding abundant things that I want to happen in my life? And you already know some of them. But I, God always reveals some more things. Some of it's going to be about your family. Absolutely. Some of it's going to be about your church. Absolutely. Some's going to be about a friend, a co-worker at work or school, somebody you go to school. There's no way to know. There might be something that you want to do, but you need help doing it. I mean, it can be anything. 
But I want you to write down your EA list, your exceeding abundant list, things that you can't do, things that only God can do. And I want you to write down that list. I want you to write a date on it. And then secondly, I want you to start praying every day about that list. And pray two things. Number one, say, God, if this is not in your will, if somehow I'm selfish in this prayer, then let me know it and I'll take it off the list. Because there's a possibility we can always be wrong. Number two, I want you to keep praying that. If God doesn't reveal it's wrong, I want you to keep praying it until he answers it. And again, like I said, you may be praying for a long time. We don't know how long. But I want you to keep praying it. And then six months, a year, two years from now, when God works an exceeding abundant work in your life, I want you to take it and somehow mark it and date it. And I tell you, you're talking about really starting to pray. You just started when you see those, those begin to be answered. That's the kind of life, prayer life, that God's calling you to. That's the kind of life he's calling to you. One author said, God does not ask you to do the impossible. He just wants you to believe he can do the impossible. So with us today, Paul, he gave us the way to accomplish this. Because way back in the first ver- chapter, ver- chapter uh, verse rather, chapter four, verse 14, chapter 3, he said, for this reason, I bow my knees. To bow your knees is to get serious about your prayer life. To not just let it be some add-on that you just quote right quick and then leave. But you get serious and you humble yourself before God and say, no God, I'm, I'm tired of the same old, same old. I want to see your power work in my life and the life of those I love. Our God is right here today waiting on you and waiting on you. You're the only one that can keep this from happening. He's waiting on you to begin to work as he worked in Paul's life, the church of Ephesus' life. He's worked at your church here before, many people's lives, maybe even your own life. He wants to work again. I encourage us all, can we get serious about praying God-sized prayers? Let's pray together. Lord, forgive us of those times in our life and in our faith when we just kind of drift along and we don't really worry about anything. We don't really, we're not really concerned about your work or great things happening or other people and the, the great tests in their life. And I pray today, Lord, that uh, because of these words that we would renew our passion to pray for great things to happen. Lord, uh, it's not going to happen in our churches. It's not going to happen in our life or the life of our family or friends if Christians don't pray for it. Lord, you told us if we'll keep on asking, seeking, knocking, then you're going to work. But help us to be asking and seeking and knocking. And Lord, I don't know what everybody's going through today, but I, I just want to pray for every person here that you would just work those mighty works that need to be worked in their life. I join in prayer with them that, that, Lord, they would begin to see you one by one answer those prayers that they feel like are your will. I pray blessings upon this church. I pray blessings especially on this staff. Lord, that we might see great things come out of our prayers 
when we get serious and we humble ourselves in prayer. And in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, the name that shows us the love that you have for us, the name that is the example of the unconditional love you have for us, it's in his name we pray. Amen.